What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming back at y'all with our final episode of Big Ten in 31 Days. And we are joined by Corey Rolden, who is a sports reporter, multimedia journalist for WHBF and Hawkeye headquarters. He's also a former safety and captain for Holy Cross and also played at Mississippi College. So I just want to say I appreciate you joining me today, man. Uh, yeah, no problem. I'm excited for the show. Absolutely, man. So we got to get into last season, and it was a tale of really two seasons. We had a real tough 0-2 start to start the year for the Hawkeyes, but six consecutive wins to end the season. But sadly, their final two games, including their bowl game, canceled due to COVID. Did this season meet, exceed, or fall short of your preseason expectations? Exceed. Definitely exceed. This was a young team. Um, last the season before in 2019, they lost their starting quarterback. They lost a lot of key players on the defense. And when you go into the season, first of all, they had such, you know, off season challenges, not only due to COVID, but also with the racial allegations going against the program and everybody kind of felt like this team was divided. And then the season gets canceled that a couple of players, you know, opt out of the season and then they start 0-2. And the 0-2 start was really because they had a young quarterback who had three interceptions against the Northwestern game in the second half and also that two costly fumbles against Purdue uh, week one of the season. But that's after those two games, they kind of rallied on one another. And Kirk Ferentz kind of has a history of his teams getting better as the season goes on. He's a guy who loves to develop his team. And with Kurt Ferentz, you know, as you saw that Michigan State game, they absolutely blew them out. And after that, they kind of had really good confidence. They went to Minnesota, blew Minnesota out. They went to Penn State, blew Penn State out. Then, you know, Nebraska, they beat Nebraska. Then they went to Illinois. They dominated Illinois. And they haven't beaten Wisconsin in a very long time. And they went to, I mean, they were at home West Wisconsin and they dominated the Badgers. They went on a six game winning streak and defensively, they looked incredible. They looked like all three levels. The secondary didn't give up big plays. And that's a big thing with Phil Parker. Do not give up big plays. And they didn't allow more than 25 points. I believe, man. 20-something straight games. It's the longest streak in college football of not allowing over 25 points or more. Wow. And Phil Parker, man, they just develop great defensive players. Davion Nixon, I was the biggest Davion Nixon supporter during the season. I was like, this dude's incredible. You you see a 300-pound defensive lineman who is a defensive tackle who just lives in the backfield, but also can pick off a pass and run it 71 yards for a touchdown. There's a reason why he won the defensive player of the year. Nobody knew who he was in the beginning of the season. Um, but they just kept developing. Spencer Petras, the quarterback, kind of got confident as the season goes along. Tyler Goodson in that offensive line, that's kind of bread, their bread and bro, uh, butter, so to speak, is running the football, and they ran the football effectively. And they relied on their defense. 
Right. And that defense, like you said, was just, I, I believe it was a top 15 defense in terms of just scoring and yardage. And you said Davion Nixon, he was my MVP for the Big Ten on defense as well. When we broke it down for the podcast, the kid is just, like you said, I've never seen someone so big be that athletic. He's so fast for his size. But, you know, you mentioned the cancellation of the season. August 11th was the date. Kevin Warren says we're pushing the season back to the spring. This was only a week after he puts together this conference schedule with built-in bye weeks and everything. He just completely contradicted himself. We were very critical on the podcast. There were a lot of reports, though, that Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State were fighting real hard and that Nebraska even said they were going to play. They would go to the Big 12 if if it came down to it. What was your initial reaction to Warren's decision, and what was Iowa's plan if Warren does not change his mind? Well, Iowa's going to stick with the Big Ten. That's like the really big thing with Iowa is they're loyal to the Big Ten. They're one of the founding members. And, you know, Ferentz is like, we trust the league. We just want to play. We want to have a season. So we want to play if the Big Ten wants to play. And their initial reaction is, I mean, Ferentz and the players are heartbroken. They wanted to have a season, and the parents – so we, we did a bunch of stories at WHBF and at Hawkeye headquarters. The parents started protesting at the Big Ten headquarters and started getting sending statements out to the Iowa president, started sending statements, statements out to Kevin Warren. Hey, let's play. Let our kids play. Because they felt that Iowa has the best medical facilities in the Big Ten, where – you know, they were prepared to handle this virus and they felt like, you know, the university was prepared to handle this virus. And that that's a big thing. And, you know, Iowa uh, go on with the season, how they handled it. Iowa handled it greatly. They did no games were missed because of the University of Iowa in terms of cases for football. And they were just heartbroken and they felt like they were prepared to have a season. Right. And I, I think you saw that. I mean, every school that I've talked to throughout this big 10 to 31 days, every school that fought back seemed to have a lot of confidence in their medical staff and their medical facilities. And or they felt like they had the advisors behind the scenes to properly handle it. But going back onto the field and you mentioned Spencer Petrus led this team. It was his first season leading this team as quarterback one. There were times he could have played better, but there were times where he had a solid, solid outing. What do you expect from him moving forward? And what did, what does he bring that is kind of his specialty to this Hawkeyes offense? Well, he's kind of a game manager, right? You know, because they're going to rely on Tyler Goodson more. But he also, you know, he started getting confidence. And then he's going to start throwing the ball deep. And Tyrone Tracy is a guy I'm really excited about him. You know, his freshman year, he blew up a little bit. His sophomore year, Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset were healthy. So he was kind of the third or fourth receiver. Now he's a junior, and he's the number one option, right? And he's a guy who can be explosive and be deep in the passing game. But Spencer Petrus, I just saw so much growth in him. You know, people were like, ah, we got to – Iowa fans were like, oh, we got (laughs) to bench him. You know, he's not the guy. You know, he struggled, but that's a young quarterback. You know, that, that's hard thing to do is you just start Big Ten play. I, you, normally in a season, you get a couple so, so-called tune-up games, right? You develop your confidence a little bit, and then you go on the meet of the Big Ten season. He didn't get that. 
So he kind of just kind of thrown into the fire, so to speak. And, you know, that Wisconsin game and that second half of the Illinois game, he looked incredible. He started using his tight ends more. And I think Iowa next year, I mean, Sean Byers leaving, but Sam Laporta is going to be really good as a tight end for the Hawkeyes. And I, I believe he led the team in receiving yards last year, and he's going to be really good. And I'm just excited to see Spencer Petras' growth because he's, he's not going to be perfect, but he doesn't have to be perfect when the defense is going to be really good. And he's going to have, I think, maybe the first or second best running back in the Big Ten in Tyler Goodson. Yeah, uh, that running attack, I mean, helps out so much, especially when you play the – I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm an SEC guy because I'm an Auburn fan, but those Big Ten defenses are no joke either. I mean, you look at Wisconsin, what they've had. You look at Iowa, Ohio State, I mean, Michigan State at times. It's something serious. you got to have that run game to help him out. But I I really like uh, Petrus, to be honest with you. But Kirk Ferentz – is probably one of my favorite coaches in the country. I mean, he has built this Hawkeyes program into a contender. Been there since 1999. I was three years old when he started his first season for the Hawkeyes. So he's entering his 22nd season now. The program expectations are at an all-time high, I feel like. What makes him, though, as someone who covers the team, such a successful coach? And do you think he can break through and bring this program its first national title since the 60s? All right, first of all, you said that you're an SEC guy. I was showing the flag. I'm from New Orleans, so yeah. <laughs> I grew up an LSU fan. I, I still love LSU, you know, a little Tiger rivalry right there. But <laughs> with Kirk Ferentz, you know, he, he builds an NFL-style program. And I believe that's why so many guys from Iowa go on to the NFL and have successful careers because they don't get five-star. They don't get four-star recruits. They get three-star recruits. Right, and they develop their players. That's what I was known for, is developing players and developing these guys to being good football players. And it's all about accountability. Um. So his motto is smart, tough, physical football. Right, and that that's kind of what Iowa is. They they're gonna hit you in the mouth. They're gonna be physical and they're gonna smart. They're gonna might uh make the right plays. And throughout his career, you know, Iowa Iowa has a good recruiting ground, but not a great recruiting ground. So he has to develop players if he wants to win. In the early, I mean, the late 90s when he took over, you know, they went on a streak where they went to, in like 2002, they went to the Orange Bowl, right? They were a 10-11 win team competing in the Big Ten. And then you got to rebuild and develop players again. And then... In 2000, I believe, 9 or 10, he went back to the Orange Bowl. Then he got to rebuild. Then he went to the Rose Bowl in 2015, right, and lost to that great – well, he actually was – they were one play away from making it to the college football playoff. So do I think that Iowa can make a run this year and win the Big Ten and win the Big Ten West? Yes. Do I think they can win a national championship? That's tough. You know, there's just like certain kind of like levels to it, you know, maybe, but I I think this team, like they, they, everything's going to have to be put together where like the perfect recruiting class and they're all going to have to develop at the same time. And they're all going to have to um, stay their senior years, 
right? Like if Davion Nixon would have stayed this last year, Mir Smith, Marset, like there's just like there's still holes to this roster, right? Because other players left, and I believe those they will find players and develop. But to say that they're a national championship contending team, that's tough. Are they a Big Ten contending team? Yes. Right. And I mean, I think that Rose Bowl year, I'm even looking back and just how I looked at it. I mean, it, once you get to the playoffs, I know there's this narrative that there's no parity and that that year Michigan State went, everyone said there's zero chance they're beating Alabama. I feel like that Iowa team had a, had a little bit of magic in it. If it gets in there, I, I don't count them out against anybody. Well, the thing is, the way they play, they stay around games right yeah. it's you know they play so much differently than everybody else they kind of play old school where defensively phil parker's there his motto is not to give up the big play and to create turnovers right uh, he had a streak with interceptions like 13 straight games with interceptions and it broke That's crazy. he didn't have uh they called a fumble instead of an interception I, I thought it was a pick first nebraska but the next two games he got interceptions but you know it's just the, the way they play football is they have really good special teams. They have one of the best punters in the country um, from Australia, Tory Taylor. They got a good kicking game. So they, they have they win the field position battle. Their offense runs the football, doesn't turn over the ball, runs the clock, scores, so it limits the other team's offensive possessions, and then their defense isn't allowing big spark plays. So it's a way they play football that kind of like, helps them keep them staying in games. Right. Uh, I, I like I like that old school uh, way of football. I mean, you saw it pay off, you know, a few years ago when they just, I mean, smacked Ohio State. It, that was one of the craziest games yeah. I think I've ever watched. I remember I was actually in New Orleans watching that game when that game was on. But, um, you know, I want to shift to the recruiting trail. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. You mentioned they don't get four stars. Well, this year – that, that, that might not have been true. I mean, the top 25 class, and it's headlined by a top 150 prospect. Um, and, you know, this O-line class, I think, was probably one of the best O-line classes in the country. I mean, I think top three of their top four recruits were all O-linemen. What, was O-line the biggest positional need for you? And who do you think will make an immediate impact in this class? All right, first of all, I'm going to go out and win and say immediate impact – Nobody, because that's just not who Iowa is. It's it's hard like to say that, but Iowa is a team that likes to. It's a process, you know. They like to develop right. players. They normally, typically, redshirt, and then they go in, and then they, um, like their sophomore year, kind of get a little bit of playing time, and then their junior year, they're ready to play. It's it's a weird program where they're not like Alabama or LSU or Auburn or Ohio State that, you know, they, they get players that are immediately ready to play. For granted, this was a very Iowa-centered recruiting class because they couldn't go out and have visits, right? They had to have the Zoom right. meetings correctly, and they needed to get to know these players. So it's a very Iowa-heavy recruiting class, and also Illinois as well. It's kind of local kids. And it was one of their best recruiting classes since, I believe, 2005, or 2006, it's one of Iowa's best recruiting classes in a long time. Excuse me. And, you know, like you talked about offensive line. That's their bread and butter, though. Their, their whole offense is built on their strength of their offensive line. You saw 
uh, Tristan Wirfs, you know, go into the NFL this past year and probably be a top one or two tackle, right? And, you know, they have Alec Jackson. And then Tyler Limbaugh right now is the best center in college football. They're just built on offensive line and, you know, making great offensive linemen. People call them tight end you, but they can also be O-line you. <laughs> uh, I like it. I mean, I, th- I feel like the reason – I mean, you look at the Big Ten, you have Wisconsin, Iowa are always the two top O-line producing schools, in my opinion. I mean, they the Big Ten puts out some offensive linemen, man. But you mentioned there's a process to this. That, you know, they come in, they register, they contribute in a few years. Well, who are the potential breakout players this year that you think have been through the process and they're finally ready to step up and contribute here? Tyron Tracy, uh, I mentioned him. He's a receiver, um, athletic, explosive player. If you guys can go back, type in Tyron Tracy versus Northwestern. He makes this catch and this run. He's he's incredible. Um, Other breakout players, let me think. Let me think. Because they have their whole secondary returning. I, I don't think anybody's going to break out there. Defensive line. Um, John Wagner is a guy, you know, on the defensive line that, you know, has the potential to be really good. Um, Sam Laporta, I think, is going to blow up a little bit. And also, you know, his, he had a good year last year. But this is his junior year. He's ready to come in right. and he's ready to, you know, kind of blossom because Iowa has a history of, you know, George Kittle and um, Hawkinson and, and uh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, man. Denver Broncos, Iowa fans, don't kill me. Um, um, Fant? Yes. yes. No, Fant, yeah. yeah no he's, a, he's a beast. He is a beast. You know, <laughs> Iowa has a history of, you know, building these great tight ends. And it's just kind of like Sam Laporta and Tyron Tracy are the two guys for me that come to mind that could be breakout. Also, I'm going to say Charlie Jones, too. He's another receiver. You know, he's a punt return specialist. But, you know, he just has the abilities of being an explosive player in that offense as well. I I like it. I'm, I'm interested to see how they replace Nixon. I, I think he had a bigger impact than I think. So, like, I know the Iowa people and the national guys kind of knew about Davion Nixon. But when we released that episode, I had average fans be like, I've never heard of Davion Nixon. I'm like, we well, all missed out. Y'all need to go watch some film because this kid's going to be a problem. But, man, this team's going to have to grow up quickly. I looked ahead to the schedule a little bit to have Indiana – in a road trip against Iowa State the first two weeks. I, I, I've i covered a lot of teams in this ACC and Big Ten covers we've done. That's brutal. That might be the most two brutal opening games on the schedule. Then you also have, you know, Northwestern and Wisconsin on the road. New Ohio State, which is a positive. But just in terms of right now, it's March 30th. We're recording this. What is the ceiling and or floor for this 2021 team, in your opinion? Floor is eight and four. I think, I think they 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 could lose both of those uh, two kind of back to back games you talked about, where Indiana, Iowa State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, right? Yeah. But then they can go on a run and go on eleven and one, right? And you talked about growing up. I think they did grow up, and they had their secondary returning. They have a good chunk of their linebackers returning. They only have one defensive lineman returning, but the backups had experience 
in playing. Their offensive line, besides, you know, maybe one or two pieces. I mean, other players have had experience, and their offensive line would be fine. They got experienced quarterback now. They got a really good running back. Um, Tyler Tyler Goodson is incredible. You know, he does everything, and I would like him to start catching the ball at the backfield a little bit more. They have receivers. I just think that you get by – so my mindset for the first two weeks for Iowa. Indiana comes in. It's a home game. It's the first time in a while that Iowa is going to have fans in a, home, in a while. You come in, you focus on that game, and you win that game, and you go on to Iowa State. And Iowa State has not beaten Iowa in a long time. It's kind of a psychological thing, I think. I believe so to say, you know, like their schedule's tough to start out. Yes. But is it doable? It is. Yeah. Uh, listen, that, that, that running back matchup between Goodson oh. and Barisi Hall, that oh. is, that is going to be an amazing, yes. if you're a running back fan, that game's going to have to be watched because those, those, that's this, probably the number one and two running backs in the country. Th- this is going to be probably one of the biggest Iowa, Iowa state games ever. Ever. This is potentially a top 15 matchup. I think Iowa finished 15th in the polls last year. They're losing some pieces, but they're returning a big chunk of that roster. And Iowa State's returning mm-hmm. most of their team. And they're, what, six, seven? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, that's going to be fun in Ames. Oh, yeah. I, I'm at Kansas State now, and I was getting ready for this interview, and I'm like, I need to just go ahead and go to Iowa for one of these first two games because that's both these games are going to be on my must-watch list. But, you know, if I make it up there, there's 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 a tradition that I think everyone's interested in that you have to go to Iowa to experience it. And the Kinnick Wave started back in 2017. It became a national storyline and an inspiration for so many people. For our listeners who might just not know or have forgotten about this, I mean, how did this get started, and how much does it mean to the families, the community, and the team as a whole? It's awesome. It's so uplifting to those kids, right? And, you know, Charity Hospital, I mean, they, they do incredible work. And after the end of the first quarter, every time, even opposing teams do it, everybody just turns and waves at those kids, right? And you see the kids – you know, just kind of like be uplifted and they have signs saying, thank you, go Hawks, et cetera, et cetera. And the fans do it. And this past year was weird because there was no fans in the crowd, but everybody still did it. You know, the opposing team still did it. Iowa, Wisconsin, they're big rivals. Guess what? Wisconsin sitting there turning, waving as well. You know, all the parents that were there were waving. And it's just a really cool experience being there. And you kind of get goosebumps, right? It's like it's something bigger than football. And it's important because, you know, it's just it's it's uplifting and it just feels right. Yeah, I, listen, I, I, I don't get emotional watching College Game Day often, but the, the, that that whole like short they did with Kirk Ferentz with the with the Children's Hospital and everything. I mean, if you didn't shed a tear watching that, that that like small segment, then I, I got questions about if you're a real person or not, because. That was brutal to watch. And, you know, last question, man. I'm going to try to make it to a game this year. Iowa City, Kinnick Stadium. We talked about the Kinnick Wave. What makes the city, the stadium, so unique and special on game days? They're united. 
it's truly united. It's they love their Hawkeyes, man. And you know, sadly, like you talk about you coming up here. I started this job about ten months ago. So I haven't gotten experience a full stadium yet. But just being around this area, they love their Hawkeyes. They do. And this is a diehard, you know, they don't have professional sports teams around here. It's kind of it's it's really cool to see how much they love and Iowa City's really cool town and you got like a nice bar scene you know you got the cool little you know spot but Kinnick it's just kind of feels like an SEC stadium where it has history right it has important you know you walk in there you kind of feel like you know this place it's just it's like walking into not Death Valley but you know just like another SEC stadium right and you just kind of feel that presence on you like on all the history and the traditions and all the players that play there right and it's it's special and to be honest dude i'm really excited for fans to come back and to see that atmosphere grow you know and i'm really excited because you know like i've just heard stories of it right and i haven't gotten experience the full kinnikin Right. And I think that's, I mean, just watching it on TV, you could tell like I was one of the best environments in the country. You look back to that Ohio State game, you look back to any big game at Iowa is just, you can feel it just across, like even on television. That's when you know there's a good stadium. Like you mentioned Death Valley for LSU. Every night game at LSU, even if you're not there, you could tell like, okay, this is serious. This stadium is loud. And I feel the same way with Iowa, but. Man, I appreciate you. I know this was last minute, man. We no finally got all, we got all the teams covered in the Big Ten. We're going to have to get you back on. My co-host lives in Baton Rouge, is a diehard LSU fan, so I'm sure he would have loved to have been on here with you. He is uh, he is a diehard LSU fan. Hey, we have great Tigers. debates. Exactly. Go Tigers. But, man, where can our listeners find you? And, you know, you can plug any websites, articles, podcasts, anything you do, social media. So I'll give you that time now. So I work for WHBF. It's a CBS station in the Quad Cities. It's ourquadcities.com. We also are the Hawkeye headquarters. It's on the page on ourquadcities.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Hawkeye headquarters. Also, my Twitter handle is Corey Rolden TV. And, you know, we do a lot of Hawkeye reports. We do football, basketball, wrestling, baseball, whatever you name it. And we also do a lot of other great stories in the area. So, you know, just give us a like and a follow and um, you won't be disappointed. Exactly. So, guys, make sure to go follow Corey. Make sure to go follow all that, man. Stay on top of Hawkeyes football because this is going to be an exciting team, an exciting program in the coming years. Hopefully they can make a Big Ten title run. I would love to see it. I was rooting for y'all back when y'all made that Rose Bowl run. I'm so sick and tired of the same few teams making it. But, man, I appreciate it. I'll be reaching out closer to the season, and we'll definitely have to get you back on here. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. This was fun. Absolutely. But guys, y'all know where to find us. Now y'all know where to find Corey. But for myself, for Corey and the Blue Bloods, we are out.